everybody and welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's get right into things. So our first story today is going to be about Trump's legal team, or rather the lack thereof, as Trump's entire legal team, all five lawyers, Butch Bowers, Deborah Barbaria, Josh Howard, Johnny Gasser, and Greg Harris all walked out over disagreements with Trump on legal strategy in stark contrast to this interesting dichotomy where, in fact, the GOP mainstay, mainstream establishment the politicians themselves have now started to backpedal on their aggression towards Trump and are now all trying to win over their voters as Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley had done previously as their primary strategy, even post insurrection attempts. So you're seeing the Trump's legal team has now walked out while the rest of the GOP tries to walk back in. And we're seeing an interesting thing here. Donald Trump, the reason they left, of course, is because they refuse to argue for fraudulent or corruption charges. They refuse to claim that the election had been stolen. They refuse to fight on that court battle at all. And that was Trump's entire defense in his eyes. However, there is one legal defense that you could put up. There's no precedent for charging or impeaching a former president. So you could argue that that is not a viable courtroom strategy. You could argue that it doesn't matter if he's former or or not. He's going to be convicted. It doesn't matter because that is at least a defensible case. However, the fraud angle, we're seeing Republicans across the nation finally come to terms with the fact that they lost. You're seeing politicians eventually finally come around to the fact that they did in, indeed lose and that they need to rework on their strategy as it obviously didn't work against Joe Biden, who was even in the eyes of many, not a particularly strong candidate. So what you see here is these five lawyers essentially calling his his claims not only untrue, but unarguable. And now we really need to see, as with only a week to go for the Senate trial, who is Donald Trump going to pull on? Is it going to be Rudy Giuliani? I doubt it, as he refused to pay his legal fees. Uh, It can't be Lynn Wood, as he's in the current uh, state of being disbarred by Uh, I forget which state exactly, but the state where he earned his uh, or at least passed his bar exam. So it's an interesting situation that Donald Trump finds himself in with national support resurging with at least establishment national support resurging and his actual close term lawyers just giving up. And of course, it, it shows that it truly is Trump. There's not been an imposter this entire time. Trump is Trump. He refuses to back down, especially when he's wrong. So how he's going to weasel his way out of this uh, courtroom case in a week. Nobody knows what kind of lawyers he'll pull on. Nobody knows, but all for that story. We'll see that in a week, and I'm sure we'll touch on it next episode, but it's certainly going to be an interesting one. We can leave it at that. And our next story today is going to be about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, I'm sure you've heard at least one of these anecdotes that I'll be pulling on here. Uh, They're all very bizarre, very eye-catching, which is why they've been making the headlines recently. If you do not know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is the QAnon congresswoman from Georgia who won her election against a Republican primary who was a centrist, and she is by all means radical right-wing conspiracy theory nut job. No offense, all offense. She is quite honestly one of the most hated members of Congress right now, There are at least one or two movements to censure and remove her from all committee assignments on both Democratic and Republican sides. Uh, She is not well liked amongst her peers. We're seeing uh, recently the most recent outrage was a video emerging regarding Marjorie Taylor Greene's reaction to the 2018 Parkland school shooting, 
where she attacked one shooting survivor, that being David Hogg, calling him a coward in person. By the way, this was not a video response to him or any of the sort. This is a video of her accosting him on the street, calling him a coward as he tried to run away. That, of course, she also called him a kid and a keyboard crying warrior. These all, of course, tie into another thing she claims, which was that all school shootings and public shootings of the past 10 years have been false flag attacks by the U.S. government or entirely staged and paid actors involved. Of course, these are not only disgusting and wrong, but on a moral level are disgusting and wrong. These are you are talking about children who have been murdered, people younger than I who have been shot in their classrooms or in movie theaters or in malls or places of worship that she are she is claiming that those lives were either not lost or lost to the hands of government officials, which I do not. That is not a that is not Patriots talk for someone who wants to claim to be a patriot. That is disgusting. You are putting so little faith in our government that you believe that they need to strong arm national tragedies in order to enforce harsher and stricter rules such as gun control when in reality, it's just public favor in the Overton window moving left and left as time goes on. Quite honestly, it's it's disgusting. And of course, none of this would be complete if she wasn't anti-Semitic. She had claimed that the campfire recently started here in California just these past few years. It was caused by a space laser, but more importantly, a Jewish space laser either owned by George Soros or a rich Jewish family. The story changes every time she tells it. But that is, once again, just a little bit of anti-Semitism to complete the trifecta of being a horrible person. And it's just, of course, of course. So when you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene speak or when you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene get a thumbs up from Donald Trump in a private conversation, which she appears to maybe have had, though that is still up to debate, and I'm not really going to go fully into that story as it's not really corroborated. It's just her claiming that Donald Trump has supported her recently through phone calls and emails, which, again, is not corroborated by anyone. It could be her grabbing at Trump's supporter base for money or, or, or votes or whatever. All of it is to say she's not my favorite person, and I hope she isn't yours either. She is no national hero. She is just borderline traitorous. And, of course, her actions during the January 6th insurrection attempt were that of encouragement. She claimed that it was just like 1776. It was just like the revolution. And of course, that's treasonous. That's disgusting and deplorable. And I sure hope she is not voted in again come her reelection. I can't guarantee that she'll lose. It's Georgia after all. Very deep red. Very difficult to see a Democrat, though it has happened, as we saw with Roy Moore being an outed child molester. That just barely, barely put Doug over the line to beat him in Alabama. So we'll see. We will see. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is is quite honestly one of the worst people, certainly, in my opinion, the worst person in Congress right now. Quite honestly, these stories, they they go on and and it's fun to laugh. Trust me, the first time I heard about the Jewish space laser, I, I couldn't help but chuckle as it's just so absurd. But when you come down to it, there are people who look up to her. There are people who believe in her. There are people who are, quite honestly, tainted by these lies that do not believe these things and then become a believer in QAnon or, or become a believer in these conspiracy theories just because of her and knowing that she is convinced even one, even 10 people of these absolutely disgusting anti-American lies. It hurts not only to think about, but it truly catapults her into the category of, of one of the worst people right now in American politics is truly just deplorable behavior and language. And to attack children who have been slaughtered 
or to attack people based on their ethnicity and, and propagate these racist and xenophobic stereotypes that have been attacking and afflicting Jewish people for centuries at this point now. It's quite honestly just is it's depressing, right? It's just a little sad. So, of course, I don't want to harp on the story and I, don't, I do want to continue on, but it's so easy just to laugh at them. But sometimes you just need to realize how actually disgusting they are and how horrible these statements truly are. Uh, and it does sometimes need to sink in because for all the craziness in the world right now, that doesn't mean that these things should just fly over the radar. It's it's just it, it's horrible. And I, I truly hope that people, at least uh, especially those who are interacting with politics and interacting with other people in a political way, it is important to remember truly who you are against or truly who you are for. Because, again, if you side with the Republicans, that's fine. That doesn't make you a horrible person. That means you're conservative, which is an honorable thing. I think many conservative goals are honorable. I think both sides are truly trying to do their best to make what they think is the right choice and to make or to forward the the best ideals for a working society, which, again, that means they have the country in mind. They have the country at heart. And that is that is a patriot. And that's what makes a patriot. And quite honestly, now, when you look at it, when you look at her, I do not believe in any part of my body that she has America's best interest in mind. I do not believe that she cares for this country on a level that anyone who, who would act with any level of decency in an office like that. And and it, it just it's, it's a betrayal of what the American standard of an elected official of a public servant should be. Uh, and I, I hate to keep harping on it, but it, it truly just shakes me to the bone. And I hope that everyone can recognize what what is truly an awful, hopefully, outlier in American politics today and, and in a continuation of the hate and, and distrust that comes from that America first mentality that we've been seeing for four years. And I truly hope that it can be stamped out, that we can return to a level of decency on both sides, though it does increasingly seem more difficult as she says these things and people applaud. Uh, at least 40 to 50 percent of the American public applauds. And of course, I, I truly hope that everyone can recognize how horrible it is uh, moving forward, of course. On to a much lighter subject, we're going to talk about the stock market and economy and what it really means for you. Uh, this, of course, is coming out of two big events that have happened over the past week. One being the lesser of the two, the Dogecoin craze, which, of course, Dogecoin was a joke cryptocurrency that was created and, and mined as sort of a joke in the beginning, coming from the very famous early 2010s meme Doge of the dog. Shiba Inu from Japan it somehow got a picture of him and it was just funny, inherently funny to some people. Uh, and of course, has now been propagated into culture and pop culture for the past 10 years. I think many younger people know that. If you didn't, well, now you do. This, of course, the Doge coin just happens to be that economic embodiment of a joke. Uh, it was it was commonly thought of as just a joke currency, and people would put money into it to hope that it goes up 0.1%, so you make a cent or something of the sort. Though over the past two years, we've seen two spikes. One last year during a craze on the internet where it was spiked up quite a lot, actually. Dogecoin rose in value incredibly. And then again this week when Robinhood and many stock activities gained national highlight, and Dogecoin became once again an internet phenomenon where people and especially influencers were pushing for investments in Dogecoin, which of course is a currency where like Bitcoin, as we saw its rise to prominence, it is a currency fueled by public trust. 
If people do not put money into Dogecoin, the value will not rise. Though if people put money into it and people keep putting money into it after your portion, how many Dogecoins you have, will raise in value and you will make money. Thus, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you can put money into it and someone else is willing to follow you in the hopes that someone follows them, then everyone theoretically until the last guy makes money, which is how cryptocurrencies work. Of course, it is mined through computer algorithms on the blockchain technology that keeps it secure and keeps it finite, or at least theoretically. That, yes, is a good system, as we've seen with Bitcoin, is hardly is, is non-gameable anything other than just getting people to invest and then possibly having them be the last one. And so they lose money. That, of course, is possible. However, as we've seen with Dogecoin, there's there have been absolutely wild fluctuations as it's only worth about one cent, though recently it has been spiking and, and plummeting every few days. And, and, you know, a spike from one cent to four cent may seem minuscule, though, if you have a million Dogecoins, you're making banks, son. I mean, that's a ton of cash. And the idea that you buy and hold or buy and sell, regardless of your economic theory on the cryptocurrencies and their wildly fluctuating market, it really goes to show how these these economic theories of old are no longer applicable to high risk, high reward markets like Dogecoin that wildly fluctuate within seconds, within minutes, within hours. And it's a market that is largely self-selecting as it is somewhat limited in approach you could only reach it on certain through certain web websites and such. You need a, a coin wallet if you wanted to, which was not difficult to get, but not necessarily easy, though it does bring us to another, the second economic political kind of half and a half, though it affected the politosphere as Dogecoin was also available for purchase through an app called Robinhood. Robinhood, of course, is now infamous slash famous for being a retail stock trading app on iOS and Android, uh, also accessible through most computers, you could go on, you would link your bank account and you could buy shares of any company of any cryptocurrency, which is the big kicker there, making it a very widely accessible and used app. And it was a phenomenal app that was raving reviews. I mean, it was truly the pinnacle of the market up until the point it wasn't as recently on a subreddit or rather Reddit being a website where people can talk, can bring ideas into subreddits, which are just small forums of conversation. There was a subreddit called Wall Street Bets, which had gathered itself together amongst its many members, tens of thousands of which decided to invest in old companies, companies like GameStop or Nokia or AMC, who all have very low share value right now, and then decided to essentially continually pump up these stocks while shorting them, costing hedge funds billions of dollars for bailing out these companies who are now having to buy back the shorts as people made off with profits. And we saw some people make millions of dollars and get away happy. We saw people lose thousands and millions of dollars just because they got in too late or decided to sell at the wrong time or hold too long. And we saw hedge funds lose billions of dollars. Of course, this would not stand as the rich control many, many things in the United States, including the government and many, many companies. Of course, uh, logic would dictate that these hedge funds, these billions of dollars worth of hedge funds would go and communicate with Robinhood. They would say, you know, Robinhood, can you halt trading for just a little bit so we can reorganize our assets and, you know, eventually stop losing so much money? Robinhood said yes, and that was the biggest problem as they restricted their users from selling and accessing their own assets, which is possibly illegal. We will find out as there is a class action lawsuit in New York going against Robinhood as we speak, though that and the results may be many months down the line. 
However, returning back to the story, we saw Robin Hood constricting the market. They were openly manipulating the free market. And that, of course, had angered many of the investors who had decided that they now being either forced to sell or they couldn't buy however they would hold. And this prompted the hold the line movement for just a few days as either people who had bought in Dogecoin, which was wildly fluctuating and had been locked by Robinhood, or stocks like AMC, Nokia, and GameStop, who now were either being literally forced without their, their knowledge or permission, having their stocks sold through Robinhood, Robinhood forcing them to sell by the company's wishes, GameStop and all being funded and, and controlled by the hedge funds, which were losing the money after the shorting fiasco. This, of course, all culminated in an internet movement against Robinhood, which it was blatantly criminal activity. And I think everyone can understand that. And when I say that, I mean, literally everyone we saw on Twitter the following day. And during that day, Ted Cruz, AOC, Donald Trump Jr., Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Donald Trump, his his entire family, I believe all three of his Twitter active children had commented on it and the stifling of the free market. You saw Democrats claiming it was interference by large corporations, which, of course, they hate. And it was to the Republicans, the ultimate fiasco of large corporations strangling the free market and promoting an oligarchy of sorts that while, yes, Republican legislatures definitely is designed to support the Republican constituents did not appreciate as the free market is supposed to regulate themselves by their own ideology. And of course, the silent and free invisible hand of the free market was looking awfully visible that day as we saw people losing money against their own will. So all of it is to say there was a brief moment of unification against Robin Hood and the hedge funds behind it being Melvin Capital and Melvin Hedge Fund. So where the story will go, we don't know. We won't see the legislative or judicial outcome of these trials or the legislature moving forward with either laws and regulations or penalizing the hedge funds for their actions and the app for their actions for another month, two month, three month, year, two years, or we'll never see it, which is the most likely option, in my opinion, as just for my personal opinion take, I believe that all of these corporations are just either going to lobby for its illegality, lobby that say you cannot penalize the companies for doing as they wish. They are free market companies. And of course, their contributions to the economy makes up way more than retail share investors like people who use Robinhood. So why do we not get priority? Or the way worse option and has been floated around by a few Republican congressmen and one senator, the idea that instead of having a free market where everyone participates, we should have a locked market in which only licensed investors and licensed stockbrokers will be able to interact with the stock market, thus excluding 99% of the United States citizen population from actively activating either stock portfolios or controlling their own personal finances in the stock market without going through at least some sort of semi-official that would be able to delegate your money to stocks or delegate your assets to stocks. It, it doesn't matter. What it boils down to is oppression of literally the entirety of the United States. If you believe that the 0.001% of people who interact with the stock market on an official basis deserve to be the only ones interacting with it at all, if you believe that, then you clearly have not taken an economics course or you clearly do not. You, you, you consume too much mainstream media where you saw companies like MSNBC, CNN and Fox News all claim and have hedge fund managers, hedge fund owners, CEOs come on air saying how dangerous these actions were. Cry me a river, man. I don't care if a billionaire loses five billion dollars and is now only sitting on point five. Five hundred million is a more than enough. 
You don't have to skip Starbucks, man. You can still get your Starbucks every day. You could pay for everyone's Starbucks for at least one day. I mean, it's just ridiculous to me that this is now the standard. We have to defend the billionaires. We saw it in 2008 and we now are seeing it again where it is times of economic crisis where you don't get to print another $3 trillion as we've seen time and time again for many, many billionaires, for many, many millionaires, just to make sure that they can continually increase their bonuses so the stock market can go up. No, especially when you ask every person that you consider poor or lower class to invest their money so that they can get a passive income and get richer. But then the second they do, what happened? The second they do, the second they decide to become their own hedge fund, a decentralized one at that, it's illegal or it shouldn't be allowed or it's market manipulation. Yes, it is market manipulation. And you know, he's been manipulating the market for decades and decades and decades now without any sort of legislative combatant or even better yet, with legislative support, support of the government, by the government. It's the hedge funds. They all play it like a casino and make billions of dollars while everyone else has to sit by their 401k and hope the numbers keep going up. It's ridiculous that now that they've decided to take some sort of level, very small level of initiative in moving forward with, yes, the manipulation that is blatant. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with them manipulating the market as it's been legal for years, for decades. And we've been seeing it for years and decades. Since when? It's only when the poor people, it's only when the lower class and the middle class decide that they want to better themselves using the same tactics that hedge funds have been using for decades. That's when it becomes a problem. And that's when it's illegal. And that's when it should be illegal. Isn't that right? Well, you'll see it on CNN and you'll see it on MSNBC and you'll see it on Fox News, but you're not going to hear it from me and you're not going to hear it from 99.9% .9 of the population who believes that this is blatantly ridiculous, including Senator Ted Cruz and including Congresswoman AOC. So if you can unify that, that level of the public and then claim that you are on the side of the people representing them in government while you blatantly lie and support these, these massive institutions in finance, it's ridiculous and it's wrong. And by God, if they don't fix the problem now, they're actually going to have a unified riot. There will be no BLM and there will be no capital riots. There's just going to be riots. There's going to be a, a mass uprising if this truly does end up locking people out of the market. Honestly, I'm not going to say and I never would call for violence. However, it would be entirely justified. It would be entirely justified as it is no longer you, you complain they love to complain about China. They love to complain about Russia, complain about North Korea, complain about economies that are controlled by oligarchies. And then the minute that they start to see that people are, are finding out that they can fight against the rich, fight against the 1% in a nonviolent way, in an economic way, in a way that they understand, they freak out and they demand an oligarchy. They demand restrictions. So it's so interesting to me, and it, it should be noticeable to everyone else, that this sort of double standard exists in the United States, and it's something that we will need to break down eventually. And it's companies like Robinhood being held not only accountable, but they have a chance to redeem themselves, remove the restrictions, and continue to let people trade. And if you can do that, if you, if you just let them do what they choose to do, economic freedom of the person, by quite honestly, self-sufficient means, I don't understand why they can't be the new bastion of, of a, quite honestly, a new economy. We could see a restructuring of the economy for the lower classes, for the middle classes, where there will surely be economic redistribution through the system that has already been built of capitalism. You can see this, at least you could theorize this. And I honestly think it would be a much better place. I think it would be a much better system in place than the one we have now. However, of course, the system that be will not let itself go down without a fight. 
And we will have to wait and see how these court cases shake out if legislators decide to do anything or worse, if they decide to side with the hedge funds. But that is a story for another day. And it's definitely something that we're going to need to keep our eyes on. And our final story today is going to be a very, very, very short follow up on the Navalny, Alexei Navalny opposition story, as there's not many new breaks. However, there is one large action that's been taken by the Russian government that should at least be commented on. It is that now counting 3000 citizens have been arrested calling for Alexei's release. This, of course, is massive intimidation. This is absolutely despotic by Vladimir Putin and the Russian government, though, of course, that's probably not something they need to care about, as this will likely scare protesters away and keep people quiet. And I'm sure Alexei Navalny will either disappear or more likely remain in prison for the rest of his life. So we'll see where it goes from here. But it did further calls for international calls for Alexei's release, and we will have to see where the story develops. However, uh, it's just important to notice that the story is not stopping. The event is still continuing and, and the politics, the geopolitics going on in Russia right now will end up shaping the next 10 years if Navalny has an upset and happens to be freed and continue his resistance or more likely he is removed from the political eye and Vladimir Putin will continue which will almost completely ensure and enshrine his word as law, his successor as the next leader of the Russian Republic. So we will have to see though it is definitely something to keep our eyes on. I mean, it's truly shocking. We're, we're seeing events that, of course, here in America, we see protests and we immediately understand them as either on a, our political sphere as left or right or as a social issue or an economic issue, though in Russia, it is truly an issue of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of democracy versus the despotism of Vladimir Putin, the oligarchy that runs the Russian public as is. So it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how it develops, though. Truly, I, I can't see where it's going. I can guess. I can't see. So I've, I've made my opinions quite clear and, and we'll have to see how the story shakes out. Thank you for listening through to the end. We'd really appreciate it if you check us out at Aligning America on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this, be sure to head over to our Patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes, changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time. Thank you.